Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wizard's Table. I am your host, Ken Allen. Hello, hello. I'm your host, Mistress B. How are you, Mistress B? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really good tonight. I'm really excited uh, for this show tonight. But I wanted to ask you, did you go bowling yesterday? Yes, I did. Because <laughs> I heard you and Kevin talking about going bowling. So yeah, have, was it good? It was great. Gage and I went out and uh, there's this bowling alley where there's also an arcade. So we played a ton of arcade games. We went bowling, we had a couple beers. It was a blast. He's a good bowler, eh? Yeah, he is. He is. But he was off his game, luckily for me. So I beat him once. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, tonight uh, we have a really awesome guy. His name is Carolina Dean. Carolina Dean is a hoodoo practitioner, root doctor, two-headed doctor. You do all that stuff. I mean, yes. you're just all up in it. Yes. Um, and before we get started, and maybe you can tell me who said this, I don't know, but I wanted to read this statement in regards to hoodoo. <clears throat> so a very famous hoodoo practitioner said, in hoodoo, anything that you do is the plan of God. Understand? God has something to do with everything that you do, whether it is good, or bad. He's got something to do with it. You get what I'm saying to you? God is a conjurer. And uh, they're basically saying, whatever you do, God is there pushing it, pushing that power, pushing that energy. Yes. Well, how do you feel about that? That statement? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in alignment with that. I believe that, you know, people say that the Bible is the greatest hoo-boo hoodoo book out there and Moses was a great conjurer you know uh, some of my ancestors are part Jewish and they have a great reference for uh, Moses as the freer of the people and a bringer of knowledge and you know um, God is what powers the universe God is flows in everything that we use in hoodoo um, I believe in uh, the concept that uh, of the divine spark uh, Reverend Ike, if you know him from, he was from South Carolina. He talked mm -hmm. about God in me. And uh, um, I believe that a little bit of God exists in all living things, including plants and animals. And uh, we are able to do this magic because of that little piece of God in us. That is our God-like power. But we also connect with the spirit of the plants and the animals and the, you know, the wind and the trees, all that energy it began with God. And so we're connected to it. It's connected to us. So in a way, by working with all of these things, these elements, these plants and everything around us, we're using a little bit of God in us to appeal to the God in them to get our work done. Yes. We're all working together. Absolutely. So it's like we're all co-creators, not only of our reality, but of our environment, you know, uh, and other people's environment too, depending on how far we want to take our practice, take our magic, you know, yeah. healing, healing people through uh, conjure work, uh, even curses sometimes. Um, now I was watching a video uh, before, before we uh, signed on here. Uh, you were talking about your shaker that you got mm -hmm. and you were talking about some of your uh, uh, ancestry, the <clears throat> uh, native American ancestry. I have native American ancestry. My father is roughly, give or take a drop or two, three fourths Muscogee. So I understand the importance and the sacredness of a shaker very much. So, um, 
if you're not comfortable talking about what I'm about to ask next, then we don't have to. Okay. But you said um, in this video, and maybe you can explain it a little bit better, that you were doing some recording and or your equipment or whatever, and you picked up on a growl or a guttural, you know, sound almost as if it was a non-human entity. Mm -hmm. um, can you kind of go through that a little bit as to how that happened and what you were it doing? It happened actually right here where I am right now. I set my cell phone up across from me and I was trying to do a video uh, showing people how to go to astro.com and get their birth chart. And um, I filmed it and then I watched it, which is something I don't normally do. I don't like looking at myself on video, but I, it's it's doing my videos, my YouTube channel is getting out of my comfort zone. Um, but for some reason, I listened to that one before I posted it and I got about 30 seconds in and I started hearing this very low guttural growl. And I was like, what is that? You know, and I thought maybe it's, I'm not a scientist, I don't know, but like my dumb ass, I have like a little washing machine right here in the little dryer. I unplugged it thinking maybe it's the electricity going through the, um, you know, thing what? and it's creating some kind of interference and tried it again. I tried it about five times and each time about 20, 30 seconds in, I got this growl and I did post the video on my Facebook. I don't remember if I posted it on my YouTube. I don't know if you heard it, uh, the growl, uh, but it made, I, it made some people very, very uncomfortable and some people were very concerned for me. Um, sitting, sitting there at the time, I didn't sense it. I didn't sense anything. Uh, uh, but I did some um, meditation on it and some divination and, and I come to believe I don't think I stated it at the time. I believe it was an artificial construct. I don't believe it was a demon, although I do believe things like that exist. Um, and so I did a technique I learned about 20, 25 years ago where I called it into what I call the white room. And I deconstructed the artificial construct and okay. it was no longer here. Okay. I've made several videos since then, and that has not repeated itself. Okay. So w when you say an artificial construct, you mean like an entity that someone created like a servitor? Yes. Uh, I was told, uh, I've, I've heard them referred to as um, contacts and artificial, artificial elementals, as I heard. Yes. I like to use... Uh, uh, popular culture to teach things. So if you're not really sure what a uh, artificial construct is, if you've ever seen the 1984 film Supergirl starring Faye Dunaway, there's I've a thing. Okay. <laughs> oh, I should go get my coffer of shatter. Remind me to show it to you. Okay. Um, uh, you know, there's that great scene where she conjures the the power of shadow out of her little box and this invisible creature tears through town and seeks out Supergirl to destroy her and they have a battle. That's an example in popular culture of an artificial construct. There's also um, those of you who watch Charmed when they made Mr. Right, they they wrote down little qualities they wanted in a man and they tossed it in their cauldron with magical pheromones and they created a man. That's an artificial construct. These these fictional concepts are based on reality uh, in uh, Eastern mysticism. It's called a tulpa. I think I'm pronouncing that right. T-U-L-P-A. And oh. even X-Files did an episode 
on a tulpa with uh, the um, leader of a homeowner association sending a creature out to attack people when they're they're not following the rules of the um, homeowner association. So there's three examples in pop culture. And so I believe from my meditations and what came to me, I believe that's what happened. Someone sent an artificial construct. And so, uh, like I said, I pulled it into the white room, which is a place in my own mind. It's a world that I, I create. And I did do a video on the alpha ritual and the white room techniques that I use. And uh, I invited it into the white room with me and I had two choices with that. I could have told it to go back and destroy its master or deconstruct it. And I chose to deconstruct it and take that. It's like taking apart a car or, or yeah. you know, take, you know, uh, when I was little transformers, I was bad about t taking them apart to figure out how they worked and then couldn't get them back together. So it's sort of like taking it apart and letting that energy disperse. Mm -hmm. And so I have not had a repeat of that. Um, incidents and you do believe that somebody specifically sent it towards you too yes yes did you ever find out who um i have my suspicions but i didn't um go any further with it i, I don't really feel the need to go on the attack uh myself in unless it's really um major you know right, right. um you can't be, I hate to say this, but there's a lot of competition in the magical community. There's a, you know, there's a lot of us who are friends, but there's a lot of people that just hate you just for oh, yeah. um, telling secrets or teaching or, or just, um, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too deep into this because I don't, I don't want to be that spokesman, but you know, there's an element in the magical community that says, you know, because you're white, you can't do hoodoo or you're not supposed to be doing it. And that's, I try to be very, very respectful of um, cultural appropriation and things of that nature. Um, I've told the story about as a gaby, it was black women who protected me in high school when I was a shy boy. It was black people that I learned things from, but at the same time, and I do give back to the community and honor the succession of teachers, but I do at the same time feel like this is a part of my southern culture and i try to give more than i get you know i give away so much for free and i try to uh not dilute the system to for the greater glory of me but mm -hmm. for the system and the people this came from you know yeah yeah um there's a question and i, I would like to know also uh <clears throat> from logan hellspine logan says what was it like deconstructing the tulpa um so you have to imagine uh this it's a mental thing i'm in a meditation in my mind i go into this room that's a it's a white room and again i like to use popular culture to explain things the white room is kind of like the hollow deck off of star trek you can turn it into anything you want to i invited the um entity into the room it just so happened at that time, sometimes I just let my own subconscious form the room. So it was a room that had a fireplace and a chair. We sat across from each other. I looked at it and I didn't see so much the monstrosity of it, but I saw the hate behind it. And I just ordered it to be deconstructed. And it was almost like, <laughs> y'all gonna laugh at me. When Thanos did the snap, people, okay. 
and it and it just people just sort of turn into smoke or water particles or whatever. And the thing went up the chimney into the fireplace, up the chimney, and just out into the universe and became the unmanifest. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you got anything, B? Go ahead. No, I just think that's that's incredible. And I I would give yeah. anything to be to be able to have seen that. I think that's so cool. Yeah, I think it's and I thought yeah, obviously it's very fantastic. And I think it's ridiculous that somebody would go through that trouble to create one of these things and send them at you. I mean, my God, what <laughs> what in the world could they have been angry at you about to do something like that? That is ridiculous. <sighs> You know, I've been doing this, you know, for a very long time and I've obviously made enemies and there's been uh, what you call hoodoo wars. I've had people spread rumors about me. You know, I am a deeply spiritual person who yeah. also makes dick jokes. OK, you've seen my Facebook. Yeah. I, what you see is what you get. I can be spiritual and I can make blowjob jokes at the same time. I, I feel like <laughs> if God didn't have a sense of humor, I wouldn't have a sense of humor. So I right. used to make this joke a long time ago. It was back when I'm not really too much into it now, but uh, it kind of got stale for me. But RuPaul's Drag Race, mm -hmm. I made a joke about me being a drag queen called, uh, I think I called myself Miss Honey Barbecue, you know, <laughs> and it was like, and I would just make these jokes about I'm going to be in Dallas uh, doing, um, you know, my rendition of um, the Rocky Horror Picture, just something, you know, and people would take that little joke right now and turn it into um, something that it's not. Now, to look at me, I am in no way a drag queen. I don't even know how to, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Uh, that's not something I'm interested in. That's not something that I do. Uh, it's just not my thing, but it's a joke that some people will, okay, I'm going to use that to sort of discredit you. And um, another thing that happened a very long time ago, because of my name, Carolina Dean, I call myself Carolina Dean because, and there's a story behind that if you want to hear it, but basically my name is Dean and I'm from South Carolina. Um, and some people who don't see me, they read my articles, they go to my website, even though there's pictures of me on there, think I'm a woman. Also because I'm gay, I sometimes talk about love spells in the terms of attracting a man, because that's yes. my experience. I have no I have no experience attracting a woman for me. I've done it right. for clients. So people assume I'm a woman. And so I had someone who at the time was well known in the community um, approach me and basically came on to me and was and was like he said something to the effect of oh i feel really drawn to you and i just you know i just want to be a part of your life and this that the other and and that that honestly it made me really uncomfortable and then he i can't remember exactly what he said he might have made um reference to my vagina which doesn't exist and i was like whoa whoa hold up <laughs> you do know i'm a man right so I kept it to myself because I didn't want to cause any trouble for this person. But um, at one point it, it, it came out that he was doing this with other women. He was being a predator of other mm -hmm. women. And well, I say other women, but I'm not a woman. Uh, he was being a predator and I told my story and it got turned into, I pretend to be a woman online in order to trick straight men, which, you know, so, yeah. and in my youth, when someone attacked me, I felt like I had to attack back. I felt like I needed to um, address it. People told me, oh, ignore it. But I'm like, well, if I ignore it, people are going to believe I'm going around 
you know, trying to trick straight men or into, you know, wanting to be with me, which is stupid because I'm not a woman. I could never fulfill that. So it just doesn't make sense to me. And this right. was before this was before the whole catfish thing came along. Before that was even okay. I'm sure it happened, but the word catfish and 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 this. So I've made enemies out there. I'm sure there's people that hate me. There's people that made fun of me one year because uh, on New Year's, I posted a picture of my collard greens and I use canned collard greens. And but nobody wanted to ask me why. You know, I'm not in South Carolina anymore. I'm in the Pacific Northwest where there's only a certain amount in the stores. And when I got there, they didn't have fresh. So I got canned. And I'm like, this is such a petty thing to make fun of me about. You know, that I had canned collard greens for New Year's. It's just so dumb, you know. You know, it's really, it, and, and I've experienced this too a lot. It's really bad in the magical slash occult community. I mean, so many people want to attack you for the smallest, tiniest, minute, mm -hmm. most ridiculous shit. Mm -hmm. It's bad. Uh, and the clicks and the egos absolutely insane and i know you've had to deal with all that you've had your battles not only as a gay man i've had my battles but you've had yours too so you know what whatever we're still yeah. here we're doing what we want to do yeah and people hold grudges for the longest times you know i had um another well-known root worker and author i was sitting here one night minding on business and he emailed me out of nowhere and said um I know you're throwing for me, meaning I'm cursing him or I'm throwing right. that. At, I know you're throwing at me. I don't know why you would do that. Um, uh, I've never done anything to you. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, well, I had a reading with Miss So-and-so, and she told me that somebody um, west of me is throwing for me. This person was in New York. So the west of him would be the entire <laughs> United okay, States. <laughs> well, through questioning him, I was like, okay, so this person said that it was someone west of you. How did you narrow it down to me? He goes, well, I asked him, was it Carolina Dean? And she said, yes. <laughs> well, I'm I mean, not, if I'm, I'm a psychic, you know, if I'm a psychic and someone goes, is it Carolina Dean? I'm going to say, I mean, if I'm not a good psychic, if I'm conning you i'm gonna say yeah oh look what a great psychic i am so there she i just seem to attract these weird um scenarios you know and and finally i was able to just be like you know i don't have time for this if you believe i'm throwing for you you know do with that what you will you can reverse it back to me if you want to but you're going to be reversing back nothing so i'm yeah. i'm good you know yeah i think that when people achieve a certain amount of peace it throws a lot of people off because they don't mm -hmm. have that in their own life. And so instead of working to attain that peace, they try and work to destroy everybody else's. And I think that it's ridiculous. And especially in magic where, you know, you're supposed to be so aware of your shadow side and of yourself and of your, your shortcomings, because it will affect your practice for all of that to still go on. is a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But it does happen. I mean, I, I've I've been accused of things, you know, um, I've had I've had a few people try to throw some shit at me. But. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> they got theirs. it didn't work out for them. So, um, uh, OK, I, I want to go back to your origins. I want to talk about your origins a little bit, how you got started, because I'm always very interested um, in about, you know, where you started, how old you were, how you got started 
all those kinds of things. Because a lot of times when I'm interviewed by other people, that's that's a big place they want to go. So I'm mm -hmm. definitely interested in that. So um, wherever you feel like starting, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, well, I grew up in a very, very small town in South Carolina called Great Falls, South Carolina. And um, someone recently asked me this question, how did I get started in the occult and the metaphysical? And I kind of made a joke and said, you know, that's kind of like asking someone who grew up near the beach, how did you get interested in the water? Um, <laughs> it was just always around me and in the culture I grew up in. I remember being very young. I'm, I'll be 48 in uh, September, and I remember being very young, waking up in the morning, getting ready for school. They'd turn on the TV, and the old episodes of Bewitch would be on. I love those old shows, Bewitch, I Dream yeah. of Genie, yeah. and stuff like that. But as a child, thinking that's how magic worked in real life, you just don't know how it works. And so as I got older, I, was, I retained my interest in this, and I was just really drawn to the tarot. I loved um, the uh, James Bond movie, Live and Let Die. If you mm -hmm. ever, uh, in the 70s and 80s, Ted Turner, TNT, uh, no, not TNT, TBS, one week out of the year, they would do a James Bond uh, festival, sort of. They'd show one or two movies a night, and I would always watch Live and Let Die that had Jane Seymour as the tarot reader. And again, being dumb, thinking, you know, this woman was like 100% accurate with her cards. But as the story goes, she lost her power when she lost her virginity. And I always say, well, you know, I was long on virginity and short on tarot cards. So <laughs> I started with um, my grandfather's poker deck. I stole one of his little poker decks and started uh, reading with those uh, based on uh, there was a move, not a movie, a magazine in the drugstore I saw. And it told how to read um, plan cards. And so I started reading playing cards. And then um, I had an aunt, my aunt Ernestine, who lived at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. She would come get me every summer and take me down to Myrtle Beach. And um, I was, you know, I took my little cards with me and she was asking me about them. She goes, why don't you have tarot cards? I was like, I don't know where to get them. And she's like, well, we'll go down to Walden Books. And she bought me my first deck of tarot cards. So then I started learning tarot. And so through, you know, like on the little decks, it would, um, um, somehow the deck I had, the Rider Way, it had it came with some other materials, and it had um, what is that company? Carl Carl Llewellyn, Llewellyn's New Worlds. So I got yeah. a copy of that. They said you could write away and get a copy of Llewellyn's New Worlds of Mind and Spirit as a free copy. I wrote for that, and I got their catalog, and it had all these cards in it and books. And I was I saw the books about Wicca, in which I was interested in that because um, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church and um, they weren't, they didn't look kind upon the gays. And even when I was young, I knew I was gay. So I didn't feel like there was a place for me in the church. And I sort of looked for, my spirit was looking for some type of expression. And I was looking for a way to express my spirituality uh, in a positive way. And I didn't feel like Christianity was, would do that for me because of the whole gay thing. So I wrote away, I, I, you know, I saved up my money and I bought some books on Wicca, started practicing. Um, and then, you know, about this time, I uh, I went to college for a year. But because I was going through the process of um, coming out and just, you know, I just felt like I couldn't come out until I had a job in my own place and some 
independent. So I dropped out of college to um, uh, and got a job and I was working at my local Piggly Wiggly and I started as a, a bag boy and then I became a stalker, then a cashier, then a bookkeeper. But working with the public in the South, you really get to know people and you see the same people every day and they get to know you and so i would notice things like you know some old man would reach in his pocket to get some change and he'd have a buckeye in his hand with his change and i'd go oh what's that and it you know some of the dirty old men would be like well that'll put lead in your pencil or something <laughs> and uh you know and you would just start it would start a conversation you know and i i would write down the things they would tell me and um I was like, well, you know, this is cool and everything. And so I uh, got involved with um, an organization called Ward, which was Witches Against Religious Discrimination. Um, and uh, the, the assistant national director actually moved to my town from Alaska. And uh, we met through her bird uh, really quickly. Uh, I was at my stove one day cooking and I looked out the window and I saw what I could only describe as an ugly pigeon. It was the ugliest bird I've ever seen. And then the next day she, uh, I was going to get my mail and she was walking down the street and she noticed my pentagram. I happened to be wearing at the time and struck up a conversation with me. And she said, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for my cockatoo. It, it flew away and I know it's in the neighborhood somewhere. And I was, and it turned out her cockatoo was the ugly pigeon that I saw. <laughs> and uh, she asked me if she could camp out in my backyard and try to coax the bird down. I said, sure. You know, I had to go to work. I was working second shift in the mills back then. Um, so I went to work. She got her bird, but then she came back a couple of days later to thank me. I invited her in. We wound up talking for a long time. She got me involved in ward. Um, uh, I got training to go into the prisons and we wrote a um, uh, Wicca course for people who are uh, in prison. And we would go into prisons all over the United, uh, not the United States, all over South Carolina and teaching this course. And um, but at the same time, I started feeling like I had gone as far as I could in Wicca. It just didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. It didn't serve me anymore. And more and more, the hoodoo was popping up. The internet was coming around. Somehow I found um, Kat Ironwood's website just reading. Uh, and I was like, one of the like first. Go, like you, lucky like Mojo. Yeah. I was one of the first people to sign up for her course back in, I want to say 2003. I was student yeah. number 53. And uh, I took the course. I passed the course. And then uh, I feel like, you know, I had collected all this information. I don't not not everything I know about hoodoo came from her course, but I feel like it gave it a little bit more structure. Sure, um, sure. And so um, when I got my own computer, I just started writing. I think uh, I started writing a blog, and then uh, I wrote a blog about. I called it the upside down doll spell, and. Um, at the time, Denise Alvarado was doing research for one I of love her books. Her. I love yes. her. Uh, I still have the email where she reached out to me. I printed it out and kept it. Uh, she liked the spell that I posted, so she wanted to keep it in her, um, not keep it, print it in one of her books. I think it's the Hoodoo Voodoo spell book or the Voodoo Doll spell book. I forget which mm -hmm. one. Um, so that's how we were met. And then she invited me to 
write for uh, Hoodoo and Country Quarterly, her magazine that put out about maybe four issues. I have uh, I helped edit it. I ghost wrote some of those episodes and cleaned up other people's um, writing. And um, I became a practitioner. I, people kept encouraging me. You know, I had a website out there for informational purposes, and people kept encouraging me or, or approaching me for work because I felt really, really guilty about taking people's money for doing this. Um, because I had a really good job and it it served all my needs, and I thought, well, maybe I could do the money, use the money to help my community. So, uh, all the sales from my books, uh, I still get residuals from Hoodoo, uh, the Hoodoo Almanac, the magazines. Part of the money goes into an account for my old age, but I give back to my community by donating to my food bank. Uh, in the winter time, I adopt a family to pay their electric bills. Um, I've given to the Black Lives Matter um, uh, movement. You know, I try to circulate that money and, and put it back because I even now I have a good job. I make good money. I, I own my car. I don't have car payments. I have a really great deal on my rent. I'm in a good place in my life. And good. that's due to my hard work, but also the prosperity work I do for myself. So That's I'm right. able to give, uh, give back um, to the community. Uh, so I, you know, this that's just a real breakdown of, of what I've gotten involved in and where I came to be. Fantastic. Fascinating. I think it's great. Um, one of the things, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if anybody's interested in, in the long story, um, you, you asked me for some links and things. My Patreon, uh, I one of the first things I posted on my Patreon, it's in two parts. It's called, uh, and I think I have it set to public. If I don't, somebody let me know and I will go back and change it. I wrote my story in two parts. It call, it's called, It Takes a Village to Raise a Root Worker, part one and part two. I go into a lot more detail of my history. If I'd have thought about it, I'd have sent it to you before before this um and it was actually uh part of a book i started writing two years ago and got sidetracked and so i sort of shared it on my patreon now can you talk about uh the I, and i love the title of this book and i think i know what book i, I think you know what book i'm talking about mm -hmm. the the do you, can you pull it up i have it right that's here. it Secrets of a Sissy Boy, a gay grimoire of modern magic for men who love men and the hags who worship them. I've had a few hags worship me. <laughs> yeah. If you'll excuse me, I have a small emergency. I'll be right back. So by all, by all means, if you want to talk about that, that's great. Okay. Um, there are three things I want to clarify about this book that came out after the publication. First of all, the title. Secrets of a Sissy Boy. Um, I like alliteration, and that's why I called it Secrets of a Sissy Boy. But uh, in the gay community, I did not give this a lot of thought. In the gay community, there are men who identify as sissies. Um, these are men who dress up in women's clothing. They put on makeup, and they have relationships with men who are gay, straight, whatever. Uh, Again, I didn't put a lot of thought in that. I like the way it sounded. And it goes back to that whole drag queen thing. I, I really messed up with the name. If I had to rebrand the book or rename the book, I'd probably come up with something else because a lot of people, there's a Facebook page for the book and I get a lot, I have a lot of CCs on there and they were mad at me because they thought they were going to be getting a book about, you know, 
tips on putting on makeup and, and how to pass. And I'm, I apologize to the CCs of the world. I really do. But if you read the subtitle, it's about magic. It's not about how to be a sissy. Um, I called it Secrets of a Sissy Boy because that was the first word they used against me, sissy, in elementary school when I was a little gaby. Uh, and so this book was all about the tools and techniques that I developed in my life to combat the bullies and to navigate in the world that I live in. The second thing is I found out from one of my female friends on Facebook when I was trying to promote the book, she assumed it was book. It was a book all about gay relationships and sex. No, it's not that. I cover the whole gambit of topics in this book. Um, you know, we as gay people, we have all the same needs as straight people. We yeah. need money. We need good jobs. We need to be protect. We need to protect ourselves from bullies. We need um, good health. Um, I talk about gay suicides in in this book and, and rituals to honor uh, gay suicides. And I talk about um, gay people who are in abusive relationships, uh, how to get out of that or magical ways to protect yourself and get out of that. At one point in my life, I had a friend who was a prostitute um, and I, I kind of joke around that I was her pimp because um, she, I didn't have a computer. We would get together to work on things and um, uh, I would sit at her computer and she would sit on her bed and I would be doing the writing while she's talking. And she, this was, she was on AOL. So she would get the pop-ups from the guys wanting to hook up with her. They often thought they were talking to her, but they were talking to me. And I'd be like, okay, how much you want to charge this guy? He wants to boom, blah, blah. I'm not going to say what he wanted to do. Um, okay. And I would just type it up and then we'd go back to work, you know, and that's, that's, that's another way how, uh, you know, going back to the people who, you know, I told that story and people said I used to pretend to be a woman. Well, technically I kind of did, but it was for her, not me. You know, that's the whole grain of truth thing. Um, but anyway, yeah, I talk about a lot of different things in this book. And then I have to give credit to Denise Alvareta, Alvareta who um, edited the book. She came up with the idea of in the back of the book. All the prayers that I mentioned in the book are in the back in the appendix. So everything oh, you wow. need. Everything you need is in this book, except for, you know, the candles and the herbs and things of that nature. Oh, going back to the prostitute thing. I'm sorry. Um, there's, you know, spells in there for uh, men who are prostitutes, how to get a, a, a nice John or a sugar daddy. And so I just cover like a whole gambit of issues and things. It, it's not just sex. Right, right. Interesting. I, I'm definitely going to uh, I'm definitely going to order this book. Uh, it sounds fascinating. I, I don't know of anything that's ever been written like that. That's the other thing I meant to tell you. You know, um, another reason I wanted to write this book was for visibility. There's a lot of books out there for other people. Um, as far as I know, there's not any other book out there written by a gay man for gay men who practice uh, this type of folk magic. And uh, I talk about the importance of role models and labels in this book because, again, I don't know how old your audience is. I'm going to be 48 in September. And, you know, looking back, talking about visibility, who were my role models grow up, growing up? Jack Tripper. Y'all remember Jack Tripper? Yes, uh, yeah. He was a straight man who had to pretend to be gay in order to live yes. with two women. That's you know? right. Yeah. So Three's company. Uh, yeah. And so I did this because I wanted to be visible to the people 
out there who were gay and and wanted to see someone succeed in life and and who has succeeded and and who says you know you're not alone because i've gotten so many um emails from people in very small towns somewhere out there who just like thank you for writing this book because i i didn't know something like this was available for me i didn't know there was someone else like me and which just throws me in this age of the internet you know that people yes. Yes. don't know about other gay people and issues and i also talk about the importance of labels in my lifetime it's really changed um you know at one point people you know labeled themselves um we got a lot more labels now than we did before but um people labeled themselves uh gay bi or straight that's what it was when i was growing up and now we got lgbtq and and even right. i don't know what they all are all mean i don't understand all of it i, I don't i don't know i don't know <laughs> yeah. all of it either i just say lgbt and call it a day yes and the whole um I'm a product of my generation and I'm a product of the uh, area I grew up in. I should also mention I was raised by my grandparents. So the whole gender fluid thing, uh, I don't understand it. But if someone explains it to me, please give me time to um, adjust to it. I do want to say that to people, those of you who who want to go by they and everything, it took a while for you to come to terms with who you were. So when you come out to someone, you have to give them the gift of that time too to adjust to it. So try not to be angry with it, with people because it's society is adjusting. You know, at one point it was, um, you know, in the black community they had the whole thing of the down low, which is just another word for gay. They didn't want to oh, use that word. DL down low. Yeah, they yeah. didn't want to use that word. And now today they use discreet. When you that's a key word you see. Um, but I tell people, and then there's people who don't like labels, and I always say, you know, labels are important because they're our first indication that we're not alone, that mm -hmm. there's someone out there like us. And, you know, if you go to the grocery store, you need labels or you don't know if you're going to get corn or peas. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, they, you know, they serve their purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah they I do. Think that's what helps establish a community. And a I community. Think Something that's so important with several of the labels that you have is that, you know, you are in the LGBTQ plus community and you are in the magical community. And that's where you really get that togetherness, because we as humans, we're not built to walk alone. We're meant to mm -hmm. be with people. Yeah, yes. we're very tribal in that way. Mm -hmm. Very tribal. Uh, so. I wanted to ask you about uh, your knowledge uh, and your exposure to the Gulagichi people. Okay, uh, my knowledge and exposure to them is I watch Gula Gula Island once in a while when I had a, a, a young boy I helped raise. I did live in, um, at one point when the uh, Springs Mills were going overseas, I did move down to um, Beaufort, South Carolina, which is not far from you know the coast um, down there. But my experience is really not extensive. I really, I read a book. God, what was the name of that book? Um, it was by a lady who, who, who grew up on Salepo Island, and she shared some things. But uh, me personally, I can't speak on um, a great deal of that. Okay. So I, I don't know. For some reason, I was, I, I just felt like maybe you 
had been there, had, you know, been around them and learned some things from them or something. Yeah. Um, no, I, I've got as far as Beaufort, South Carolina, and I looked for Dr. Buzzard's grave, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I never made it onto that island down there. Okay. But there, I did read those two. I can't remember. I think it was God something, something in the Bolido Man. I can't remember the name of the book. And then there's that other book by, I can't remember his author called uh, Blue Roots. Those are two really good books to, to read. But that, okay. like, any, any of my knowledge would be based on the book and not actual experience uh, going to the island or, be, or meeting the people. Well, you know, I actually have a Gula Geechee Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's I remember, written, written phonetically. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. Now, yeah. it's, it's only the New Testament. I'd love to get the old, but it's just the New Testament. But it's a beautiful Bible. I love mm-hmm. it. And uh, um, I thought about doing some workings using the Gula Geechee Bible. That mm-hmm. would be that would be potent, I would think. That would be mm-hmm. powerful stuff to do. Um, but I agree with you what you said earlier about the Bible being a, a very powerful magic book. It's like a grimoire. Uh, the Psalms. Uh, the songs of Solomon and stuff like that. And I've used a lot of Psalms before for many, many different things. Uh, <clears throat> you are Protestant. Uh, yes, I was raised Southern Baptist. Okay. So you don't get into uh, working with saints and, and the rosary or archangels or anything like that. No, I believe in going to the head man. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Nice. Yes. Don't need no in betweens. <laughs> straight, straight to the source, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, what is um, what would you say for you? Um, and I'm sure you have different methods, but what is your go-to? I'll put it that way uh, for divination. Is it cards? Is it bones? Do you throw bones? Yes. Um, my. Uh, I was always drawn to the tarot, as I explained before. That's my first love, and uh, that's what I go to. That picture you're showing right there, that is the first deck I ever owned that my Aunt Ernestine bought me at Myrtle Beach. And I I think I was 18 when I got that, so that's going on a 30-year-old deck there. Uh, I've, I've had it for about 30 years. But I also do, um, to challenge myself, I, I, did, I didn't. I don't want to say jump on the bad, but I didn't really get into it when it first got popularized in the last couple of years. But I did have the opportunity to take a a class. Um, That's one of the benefits of being out there. People do offer you free things. Um, So I I did get a a take a class. And uh, uh, apparently, according to the teacher, I had a gift for it. Uh, And. I love to learn and I love to learn what my strengths are and my weaknesses are. Um, So I've tried just about every form of divination and I'm not an expert on every single one of them, but I do great with card based systems, Lenormand, uh, playing cards, tarot. I have some rune cards from my Wicca days. Um, I have um, a beautiful set of runes that were carved onto turtle shells. Nice. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, th- throw the bones, pendulum. Um, that is a bone set I was inspired to create uh, when after I had taken that class and wanted to delve into it more. Um, I'm trying something. to think. Um, go ahead. There was something on your website that I wanted to ask you a couple more questions about, and uh, it's called geomancy. Can you explain that to me? 
Um, so geomancy is a very old form of divination. It started in uh, the Middle East. They would take um, sticks and poke um, holes in the, the sand and count the numbers. And uh, it's sort of like casting lots. And so all the symbols are um, like two dot, like two, two, one, one. And that means something in two, 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 two. So that's a uh, populace. And it's very, it's, it's, sort of like astrology it's divination by the earth and it was the major form of um, divination at the time up until sort of astrology came along and sort of overtook it um, um it it is somewhat it's easy and it's complicated as you want it to be so you can go as far with it as you want to okay yeah because i never heard about that before and it really mm -hmm. piqued my interest so mm -hmm. thank you and i'm sure I'm sure you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would just assume that you practice bibliomancy as well. Oh, yes, yes. I do that a lot. Um, I do that with uh, different books. I, I do that with the dictionary. So and I. Also, right. I, I was actually first, I first learned to do it with the dictionary. And there's a story if you want to hear it. Um, Back when I was uh, identifying as Wiccan, that was how I was taught to find your witch name. Um, so I took the largest dictionary I could find, opened it at random, and put my finger down on a word. And I got the word promiscuous. And that was going to be my witch name, right? So mm -hmm. I got to thinking about it in hindsight. At the time, I was a shy, introverted boy in a small town in the South. And this was before the internet. You didn't, you had to know someone to know someone to know how to meet men and other things. And so when I started referring to myself as promiscuous in my rituals, um, the men followed. So that's, uh, you know, you, you know, uh, you, you, it's all about the mind and how you think of yourself. And so not that I came a huge slut that actually happened later, um, <laughs> uh, but it did open up a world for me. And so that's the name that I needed at the time. Now, if I had to tell someone uh, what that name was, you know, promiscuous sounds a lot like Prometheus. So I just kind of right. changed it a little bit to be more respectable. Sure. Okay. So that's the way that woman see works. Yeah. Um, you open up a, a book. At, well, with the dictionary, what I do is I think of a question and I open up the um, dictionary at random and I put my hand down without looking at it. And I, I don't just read the word that my finger lands on. I read uh, the, def, the, the definition and I read the word itself. And somewhere in that um, entry, you will get your answer. You can do the same thing with the Bible. So if I open up my Bible, I put it down on the verse. I'll read the verse, but I'll also sort of read the whole chapter if it's not one of those that goes on and on and on so that you sort of fill out. A, there's usually a theme of what's going on in the story and you relate it to your question in some way. And that becomes your answer. That's so cool. And that's such a, a really cool skill to pass on to people that still might be in the broom closet because there's so much magic that you can do with everyday objects. You mm -hmm. spoke earlier about learning to read playing cards. And I think bibliomancy in this instance would be great because you could literally do it in a church and yes. nobody would be the wiser. Yes. 
And if you really want to go further, you can tailor the book you use to the question. So let's say if you're asking about love, you might want to use a book of love poems. If you're asking about, um, I don't know, money, use an accounting book, you know, and just see what you get. So if you have any book in your house, you can use that for anything, really. I like that. I like that. I, I, I mean, I've used the dictionary. I've used the Bible. Uh, but I never thought about, you know, like you said, you could use love poetry, poetry in general, whatever. Uh, yeah, cool. And it's so simple to do for mm -hmm. people to do. It's not like this heavy system that you have to learn and memorize this and understand and interpret that. I mean, I'm sure that to a degree there's a personal interpretation if you want to, you know, mm -hmm. go that deep into it. But yeah, Bibliomancy, it's easy. You know, yeah. think, of, think of a question, think of something. Just and I would also caution people if you don't understand the word the first time, don't keep going, don't keep right. going. Just right. you know, sit down, meditate on the on the definition or the word or the passage. I have I find that it helps if I'm huge on journaling. So I would caution people to like write the word in their journal, write the definition or write the verse, and just read it over and it will come, the answer will come to you. But if it don't, if it's not like, should I marry Bob? You're not going to open up the Bible and see, yes, Dean should marry Bob. You know, it's, it's there's going to be a theme. There's going to be a, you know, and you may have to think about it a little bit. So don't think the answer is going to be, you know, hit you and be definite right away. Yeah. I think that's true with any sort of divination though. Mm -hmm. I find a lot that, especially when I'm doing tarot readings for myself, I like to go through and I have a whole journal set up where I write my spread and I go through and I write down the keywords about each card and then I just sit with it for a little bit. And it's usually right after I'm done and I look over all the meanings and I'm like, okay, well, it might mean this. And after I sit with it, it's just like, bam, okay, now mm -hmm. I understand what's going on. Yes. So I would like to talk to you a little bit about, <clears throat> and if, if you're okay with divulging some of that, because I know you got okay. a lot on your web, your website and you, you know, you've wrote books and you've helped with this and you've done that. So obviously you're putting information out. What would you recommend for someone, just something simple that, you know, they could do without much experience in uh, folk magic of this nature. If someone has been crossed, how, what would you recommend for somebody, a novice to uncross themselves? Well, something that they hopefully are already doing every day anyway, and that's take a bath. Um, yeah. um, but it, you do it, everything's about intent. So mm -hmm. every act can become a ritual act. Um, you know, you can put some um, salt in your bath. There's all kinds of bath salts out there. I have some lavender salts from Walgreens. And it's not so much the physical act, but the doing it with the intent. I'm going to take this water and I'm going to sit in the tub and I'm going to pour it over my head and I'm going to cleanse myself, you know, and I'm going to pray. And if you don't know what to say, just say, you know, God cleanse me of this evil. That's a prayer. You know, you don't have to say this long um, Bible verse and everything. Just get to the core of what it is. You know, you can do something as simple as um, um, take incense and smoke yourself with incense you can i've done things where like as a kitchen witch washing dishes i imagine 
this plate is my head and I'm going to wash it clean. That's sympathetic magic. And I'm going to yeah. rinse this. I'm going to rinse this plate off and my head is clean. This fork is my left leg and I'm going to wash it. This knife is my right leg. And when, it, when I'm done with those dishes, I've cleansed myself and I pull that drain and all of it washes away to the unmanifest. Absolutely. Fantastic. You know, so it, it's all about your intent yes. and your understanding of using what you have around you. Go outside to a windy place. You know, where I live right here, there's a place called Deception Pass Bridge. I've, it's sort of a rite of passage uh, to walk across it. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. there has been some suicides. And one of the most cleansing things I can do is go up there and walk to the center of that bridge and just hold my hands out and let that wind whip across me. Now, unfortunately, the first time I did it, I had really long hair down, down, and that mm -hmm. wind got me right in the face like a whip. But, but you know, go to a windy place, go outside, sit under a tree, feel the sun on your skin. Being from South Carolina and living in Washington, that's something I miss. The sun here does not burn my skin. I'm yeah. the whitest I've ever been. But I would, I remember, you know, uh, back home, I would cut my own grass, go outside, cut your grass, sweat it out. I don't need to go to a sweat lodge, cut your grass in 90, 100 degree weather. By the time you're done, you're going to sweat out all that nastiness. Take a nice clean shower. You're cleansed and your skin's going to feel so good. You know, I got yes. the, the advice recently to go stand outside, put your feet in some running, running mm -hmm. water and blow some bubbles. Just mm -hmm. let everything release to the universe. And when that bubble pops, it's done for. Yeah. Yes. Especially that running water, running water yeah. is powerful stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, okay. So I, I'm not going to go into great detail, but I had a situation one time where this lady had a demonic attachment and I used a hoodoo approach. Anyway, I got the spirit off of her and I got the spirit into a candle and into a brown bag. And I did take, I did, I did have her take this brown bag and this candle and throw it into, into running water. Now I don't like doing that a lot because too much of that's going to pollute. Mm -hmm. But hey, it was bad. <laughs> the situation the, called for it. The situation yeah. called for it. It was bad. It had to go. And, uh, you know, I thought about, well, you know, take it to a crossroads, whatever. It's like, no, she doesn't know much about this kind of stuff. I'll just have her take it to the uh, river. Actually, she threw it off of a off of a bridge. And the water wasn't going under the bridge. So it was it was, yeah. it was like a crossroads anyway. Yeah. So. Um, when you discard of tricks, what is, do you have a, a preference? Crossroads, uh, bury it in the West, toss in the water? Well, it depends on what it is. Like if it's a, a portion of my bath water, um, I'll toss it over my left shoulder towards the West. Sometimes uh, I'll go out on my patio and turn my back and, and do it that way towards the west. There used to be a tree right outside my back door, but where they remodeled a couple years ago and they, they took the tree away. It was a danger with all the wind, but um, I had some things buried in my backyard that I was really worried they would dig up. But I, as far as I know, they, I had some jars and bottles and things, uh, things that you don't mind keeping around. I bury in the backyard, like um, an old spell or something. Uh, I, you know, Things that I don't want around, I take it away from myself. So I might bury it in the woods or a graveyard. Um, if I go out of my apartment down the hill and around the bend, which is a nice little walk, there's a crossroads right down here. I'll uh, leave some things at the crossroads. Um, so again, it depends on what it is I'm getting rid of and what it was used for. Sure. Um, 
sometimes I've gone to the, you know, the beach is right down, right down the street from me too. Sometimes I've gone to the beach when the tide was going out and thrown things in the water and let it go out to out to sea. Okay. Yeah. So I agree with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, it depends on the situation, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's common sense in root work. Um, okay. I think that there's so much intuition that goes along with root work and just magic in general. And it's beautiful to see. I think, uh, I mean, I'm not super experienced, but I've definitely done a few spells and you can kind of get a feel for what, what you should do with it based on how you feel mm -hmm. about it. You know, if it's something positive and something that you think has been working and you're happy with, of course, you know, it's okay to keep it around. Um, I have a little collection that's just lined up kind of behind my shed or if there's something that I want to get rid of, um, I'm not near a crossroads that I've found and don't want to just go adventure by myself and get myself lost, but I'll burn a lot of stuff just mm -hmm. to get it out. And yeah. I, love, I love that it's so, it's so intuitive. You just feel out what you need to do. And that's mm -hmm. especially in, in root work because there's all of these super simple ingredients that you can use and anything that you need you'll find it. Mm -hmm. And see, a lot of people don't understand that in hoodoo, at least, the disposing of spell remains is part of the spell. Yes. So your spell, your spell isn't over till you dispose of the remains. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Like an open and a close. Right. Absolutely. So, Especially something like candle wax, because, you know, candle yeah. wax absorbs energy, and you're just going to take that candle and, like, dump it into your trash or something and that's your love spell you're, you're putting your you know i can understand maybe if it's like trying to get rid of somebody but that's your love spell yeah you know and people people do that yeah they'll they'll do a love spell with a pink or a white candle or whatever and they'll oh i'm done with it and they'll put it in their garbage like yeah. you said yeah. <laughs> oh those poor bastards anyway <laughs> Uh, so have you ever have you ever practiced trolled them? Have you ever fooled around with trolled them? No, don't know nothing no. about it. Oh, I know there's okay. that book out there. I know there's that book out there. Uh, and I've seen a couple of things here and there, but I personally haven't done anything with that. Um, Can have you explain you, what that is a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's real simple. Basically, trolled them is, uh, is the northern European equivalent to hoodoo. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I, I do it. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, I think you would see a lot of similarities there, uh, especially uh, w with with the Christian influence, mm -hmm. um, not only in hoodoo, but also in trolldom. So I know the book you're talking about. Isn't that by Johanna something something? Yeah. yeah, I'm terrible with names. I'm terrible with names, but yeah. It's actually a good book. It really is. Um, <clears throat> I have that book. Actually, I have it. Uh, some letting somebody borrow it, but um, I have that book. It's a good book. Trollum is a unique system. Uh, I, I think it's great, but um, I like Hoodoo better. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. So uh, the White Room. I wanted to ask you about the White Room. Now, is this something that you've constructed on the astral plane? Yes. Um, That's it. it it, yeah, that's the book we were talking about. Um, I've heard, you know, sometimes I go read the Lucky Mojo boards and stuff, and I think it might have its own section, or or I listen to the their show on Sundays, or sometimes I, when I'm through the week when I'm exercising, I've heard some talk of it, but I haven't read the book. I think you'd like it. 
I'll check it out at some time. I got a huge to read list. Yeah. I think this is the other book that you guys were talking about earlier. Yes, that's the book. Uh, it has yeah. a lot of good stuff in there. Awesome. So the white room, uh, mm -hmm. you, you create that on the astral plane? This is something that was taught to me probably about 20, 30 years ago by a man who identified as a magician, a ceremonial magician. And okay. it's... Um, it's I did a video on it on my YouTube channel if uh, anyone wants to go, but it's usually preceded by what uh, he called and I called the alpha ritual. And it's called alpha because it's a ritual that takes you to a place where your mind and body are completely relaxed. And it also refers to alpha brainwaves, which your mind generates when your mind and body are completely relaxed. And then you sort of go into a meditation and on the astral plane you go to the white room is what he called it and that's just what i called it and like i said it's sort of like the holodeck on star trek you can create it um to be whatever you want it to be or in my case sometimes i just let my subconscious create the room for me um and there's so many things you can do in the white room i've sat down with my spirit guide and had a conversation i've uh had uh you know, everyday relationships. Let's say you're having a difficult time with your boss, but you don't feel like you can talk to them. Go into the right room, ask to speak to your boss's spirit. Your boss, the spirit will appear. You'll have a conversation with that person. They will talk back. You can work things out. Uh, I mean, there's just so many things you could do in that white room. And then um, actually years later, um, and I've recently been re re listening to this on YouTube, looking for things to listen to when I'm working or or um, exercising is Dr. Evan, Evelyn Pagalini. Now she's passed away now, but she was a frequent guest on Art Bell, uh, Coast to Coast. And they okay. do have some, um, they do have some um, shows up on YouTube. She talks about something similar to the white room and going into this room and meeting your spirit guides and things. But there, it, there's just so many things you can do in this white, white room. You can find the source of an attack. You can pull in negative energy. And like I said, choose to deconstruct it. You can cast a spell in the white room and it would be just like, as if you were doing it uh, in the material rather than in the immaterial, because our minds have difficulty um, distinguishing our thoughts from reality. You know, something that you do. If I sit here and think about something sour, like sucking on a lemon pot, my eyes going to go like this. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's nasty. Or yeah. think about the last nasty food you ate or a piece of chocolate cake and you can taste it on your tongue. Yeah. I could taste a Mountain Dew right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so just like you can do that, you can summon up these feelings and control your body. You can control the the material world around you so if i call money to me like if i go in the white room and i hold up a little cartoon bag with a dollar sign on it and i say money come to me and i just imagine you know a flow of money just pouring into that bag and filling it up and then i take that bag and i hold it to myself in the in the material world money is going to come to me you know so it sort of amplifies the powers of your mind because our thoughts are the building blocks of the universe we mm -hmm. what we create with our mind what we dwell on inwardly we manifest outwardly and the white room is like a amplifier of that sort of like you, a spiritual soapbox yes and you just have to be able to train your mind to go into that place in a, in a sense of peace because a lot of people just aren't comfortable with their own thoughts they're not comfortable 
not having the TV on, having they're not comfortable with silence. Uh, you know, I'm guilty of it sometimes myself. I often have the TV on for noise, but I can go into that silent place, go into the white room and, and just do all kinds of things. Yeah, I have to sleep with the TV on. So. <laughs> for me, it's a fan. <laughs> Is it a fan? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, I should have known that the, the concept of the white room was, uh, had its origins in ceremonial magic, because I could totally see that, totally see that. And, and, uh, your whole, uh, what you talked about when you deconstructing the Tulpa or the Servitor, mm -hmm. uh, that, that reminds me so much of what, what I do as a chaos magician, you know, I, I don't know if you know anything about chaos magic or not. A little, but, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, you may or may not like it, whatever, but I like aspects of it. Yeah. Do you? Okay. Yeah. But that, that reminds me because in chaos magic, there's a lot of reverse engineering mm -hmm. uh, traditions, reverse engineering magic, and then putting it together. But, um, and then sometimes there, there are some sillier aspects, but a, a, a very professional, very serious chaos magician holds merit, believe mm -hmm. me. So, man, um, can you give us an example of that, Ken? Of the way that you deconstruct things in chaos magic? Um, no, because that's not <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's my business. Um, okay, so sure. Uh, let's take the Goetia, for example. Okay. Uh, the Lesser Key of Solomon, all those long ass, insane, ridiculous ceremonies where you have to uh, cleanse yourself for like. Uh, 12 days, you know, anywhere from three to 12 days to 12 months, sometimes, seriously, a year, you know, before you can conjure um, uh, a goetic spirit, a demon. Um, so first of all, I get rid of all that crap. All right. I'm not cleansing. I'm not cleansing and abstaining from food for three days. I'm not going to do it. And that too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> not going to do it, you know. Um, bathing, uh, bathing like three times a day for three days and not <laughs> eating. And if you do eat, it's only water and little niblets of fruit or maybe even bread. No, whatever. I'm not doing that. So I get rid of that. That's gone. Done. Not going to do it. Um, then you get into the, uh, reading of, uh, certain passages out of the Bible. When you take a, a bath, like, um, cleanse me and high and, uh, what is it? High sop. Hyacinth, high sorry. Yeah, cleanse me in high sop, oh Lord, make me whiter, you know, pure and whiter, whiter than snow, or whatever. Not gonna do that either. I get, I put some salt in there, take a bath, whatever. I'm fine. It's all, it's all about this, you know. Basically, what I do is I strip away what I feel is not necessary. I go to the core of the magic itself, and that's what I practice. Okay, got it. All right. I mean, it, to me, it's that simple. And to most chaos magicians, it is that simple. I get rid of all the baggage, all the unnecessary baggage, all all the pomp and circumstance, and we make shit happen. Okay? Really it is like somewhat that. freeing. Very freeing. Very yeah. freeing. And I think that it makes magic a little more accessible because I personally would die if I had to fast for three days. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and there are some there's some rituals where you have to fast for eight, nine days, you know. Um, now, I have fasted before for three days, but that was for a Native American ceremony. 
that was a totally different situation. But mm -hmm. I, I did fast. The first day it was rough. The second day, eh. the third day, not a problem. But once I got that chicken and started eating <laughs> <the> chicken, <laughs> I mean, I, I literally bit my tongue. I was so hungry when I was eating that chicken. KFC. And I remember it was KFC. I was eating it at a little table in the house. <laughs> I ate the hell out of that chicken. <laughs> so, yeah, it's about deconstructing and reconstructing it uh, how you want it to be and stripping it of all the unnecessary pomp and circumstance and, you know, just what's not necessary. Get to the core of it. The core, the core. Absolutely. The core. I like that. Yeah, you would love it. Can I give an example of one thing I learned from a chaos magician? Yeah. Um, uh, to create a sigil. And for those of you who don't know, a sigil was basically a magic symbol of something you want. I was taught one way is to get yourself a piece of string and um, just close your eyes and think about what it is you want and then hold the string out so that it, it hangs down. Close your eyes and just lower the string and let go of it. And then you look at how the string laid down from sort of a bird's eye view and whatever the scribble is, that's your sigil. I've never heard of that one. I yes. love that. Hold on. I got to write this down for real. Um, you can, you can go to my YouTube page and there's a video called five ways to receive a sigil. And I explained that there. Okay. I'm still going to write it down though. Okay. And there's his YouTube page for everybody that wants it. Yeah. String sigil, right? Yes. I love that. I, I love that. Yeah. There's so many different ways to create a sigil. I actually just bought a book on it and such so, so much of it is like wow. Confusing. And then you're just left with this symbol and you're like, okay, now what? So I think that that, that makes it so much easier. That's so beautiful. Once you do the string, you know, you drop it like you said. Mm -hmm. You can look at it. So you could take you could take a piece of paper and you could draw the shape of that on the on the, yes. the, the way it landed, you could draw that yeah. and then yeah. you could take it from that paper and work with it and empower and charge that sigil. Yes. That's awesome, dude. I mean, I, I know many different techniques on how to create sigils, uh -huh. but never heard that one. An old witch taught me that. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's there's fantastic. so many different things that you could add to that. I mean, you could you could dip the string in paint, you could dip the string yes. in oil. I was thinking Van Van oil, you know, Dri yeah. get that string in some Van Van oil, charge it up and boop, let it go. But now, yes. you can also take that string and tie it around your um, wrist and wear it like a bracelet because now that string has the energy of the sigil that you created with it. Yeah. And, that's wow. your, and that's your talisman. What or a good amulet. way to incorporate is, it in everyday life. That you is know? so unique. So or unique. Tie it around your ankle if you don't want anybody to say, what's that for? None of your damn business. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna go out and buy me some string, y'all. A lot of it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm sure you could do that with like a, a, a chain, you know, jewelry, mm -hmm. and uh, create a sigil and then charge that, and then boom, you got your mm -hmm. you got your necklace. And wow, I like Thank that, you. Carolina. Thank you. Yeah, for real. You're welcome. For real. You're dope. welcome. I got so much stuff up here and I'm slowly starting to, the older I get, I'm like, well, I'm not passing this on to anybody. I need to like put it up there. Yes. Let it all out. <laughs> write it down. Get it out there. Write another book. You know? Yeah. I have one in mind. Like I said, I started it about two years ago and that's when um, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure and I, the doctor put me on keto and uh, I had to start changing my habits. And then uh, that's another reason why I retired from active practice, because um, 
I would get up in the morning early and um, answer emails from my clients, get ready, go to work, work in the office eight hours a day, come home, have something quick to eat, which is unhealthy. And then I would work the rest of the night, you know, fixing mojo bags and burning candles and doing readings. And it got to be too much. I had to give up something. And I like my day job. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a very social person, so I kind of feel like this may sound mean of me, but I get my feel of people at work. So when I come home, I don't feel like I need to go out to bars or or anything. Mm -hmm. So I chose to give up the my I use I chose to retire as a root worker, but I but it did free up me so much more time to get the rest and relaxation I need to learn how to do keto but also to teach. So I'm sort of in the role of a teacher now, which is why I created the YouTube channel. And that was also a opportunity for me to get out of my comfort zone because I didn't like people to see how I look. I didn't like this right here, but I'm like, this is me. This is what I look like. The hell with y'all if y'all don't like it. <laughs> and it was a challenge for me because I don't know about the technical stuff of editing the videos and all that. And um, also I consider myself a writer. so. For me to sit in front of the camera and just start talking, I can't go back and edit myself or anything. So it was a challenge. So sometimes I'll make an outline in my head. Sometimes you'll see me I'll hold up a piece of paper and say I made myself an outline so I don't go off in these tributaries and stuff. And it's been really fun. I've got a lot of feedback from people on my videos. It's just what you see is what you get, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We definitely understand that aspect of a challenge. That's been something that with this podcast has been not necessarily difficult, but definitely a hurdle to jump over is all the, yeah. the technology and having to look at yourself. Like I, for the first few episodes, wouldn't listen back to them because I hate the sound of my own voice. So I yes. totally understand. Yeah. That's, um, that's I told you I don't watch my videos before I post them. So it's like, I hope this works. I hope there's no demon on this one. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't really have a problem watching myself and I don't have a problem hearing my voice because, you know, I... Mm -hmm doing radio so much in the nineties. I always heard my voice. I'm used to that. Um, I mean, yeah, the, when you get older, you don't really like to look at yourself in the mirror that much, I guess. <laughs> but Sandy makes a good point. She says, there's nothing wrong with the way you look. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Absolutely. I agree with that. We are our own worst yeah. enemy. We are. I'm learning to like the shell, you know? Yeah. We are our own worst enemy. And, and it's like I said on another podcast where I was being interviewed, we are our own worst enemy because when I'm done with a podcast and you, Mr. Speed, you maybe, maybe you feel the same way. I don't know. You're done with the podcast and it was a good podcast and you're like, oh man, I should have said this or I should have asked that, you know, but eh, whatever it is what it is. I, I love our podcast. I love the wizard's table. I think we're doing a damn good job and <laughs> we so. do have a few haters out there, a few, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I do want to say, Mistress B, you did like a really great job with those little graphics you showed me before and then put up. I'm just, I was really impressed with that. So thank you for creating those for the show and, and to help put my links and things out there. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. I have a lot of You're fun welcome. doing it. So. You're welcome. Yeah, she's really good. She handles most of the tech side. I'm still learning from her. She's got to come to my house soon so we can go over some more tech stuff so I can write some stuff down in detail so I can get a little more independent. <laughs> I but, got you covered. And thank you, Sandy. I appreciate yes. it. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you. Um, what was, oh, Carolina, what has been your experience, if any, and have you, 
ever had to perform any type of exorcism. Well, of course, as a Wiccan, you know, you would exercise your your elements and cleanse them. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I guess, you know, doing house cleansings is a form of exorcism. But as form. far as if you're talking about pulling a demon out of another human being, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have had some work with... Uh, long distance called, I don't know if y'all know, called, uh, some, some women have that, and this is a, a little bit of a dirty word in some crowds, that Jezebel spirit. Some women yes. have that, some women have that Jezebel spirit mm -hmm. that they exist just to tempt men, to mm -hmm. break up marriages, uh, to come between a man and his wife. And I have had to deal, um, couple of times with the Jezebel spirit uh, in my root work practice. And, and that's sort of in a, in, in, through a long distance sort of way. And you do that through spells and rituals is one way, prayer, uh, things of that nature. So with regards to the Jezebel, you have had to sort of deal with uh, a spirit entity. Yes. Okay. But you well, handled also, it. Yes. Also, you know, uh, as a Wiccan, there's not a lot of call for it in hoodoo, not in my experience. Mm -hmm. um, Hands-on healing, I do have that gift. Uh, I did it more as a Wiccan. I've had people, I've treated people, I'm not saying I cured people, I'm not a miracle man here, but like people who had cancer, uh, I've done long distance work for people who are dying in order to help um, ease the pain of death. Um, I've, I've worked on myself naturally. I need to work on obesity, I guess, you know, make, make, make this go away. Um, but hands-on healing is a form of exorcism because you're pulling that spirit of sickness and dis-ease dis out dis of a person. Dis-ease, that's Pain, right. That's you right. Know? Uh, absolutely. Um, well, okay, now when you're doing these uh, these healings and you're pulling this out of those people, do you <clears throat> do you go by any astrological or, or moon phases or anything like that, or do you just do it when it needs to be done? Uh, it depends on the severity of the of the person. You know, if someone's coming to you and you're paying, you're like, oh, come back when the moon's waning. And no, it's in the moment. Uh, mm -hmm. If you can, my philosophy on things are, are if you can wait for the right astrological sort of conditions, wait. But if you can't, now is the moment of power, you know. Um, and actually, the, how do I say this? I'm having trouble saying this. If the need is great, the power to make it, it somehow increases your power, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, I know um, exactly what you mean. Yes. Right, okay. I don't know if I'm yeah. explaining that correctly. No, I know um, exactly so what you mean. Yeah. The need kind of trumps the circumstances. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Nice. So yeah. I know that in uh, root work, there's all sorts of items that you could use, whether they be herbs, whether they be mojo bags or dolls or anything, what would you say your favorite thing to work with is and why? I do a lot of candle magic, but I love working with dolls. Uh, even when I was little, uh, when I didn't know, I, and I think it's mainly because of the impression that um, Hollywood gives us is like, oh, I have a doll here. I'm going to stick a pin in it. And the person's yeah. like, oh, they feel it right away. Right. Um, and I'm going to say, a lot of people say it doesn't work like that. But honestly, in some cases, it does. Yeah. Um, 
I could tell y'all a story. I had a coworker a couple of years ago, just was a complete idiot and a moron. He was the Trump of our office. Okay. <laughs> and I could not stand him. I tried to work with him. And finally I made a doll of him. I went, I love this new age we live in where everybody has Facebook pages and they're vain and you can get their picture. So yeah. I got his picture and I made a little doll and I was cutting the face out of the doll and I accidentally cut the ear off and I shit you not. That man got drunk that same weekend and fell down his stairs and cut off his ear. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. You know, so, I, believe, I believe that a hundred percent. So if you want to, if you're new and you really want to work um, uh, some magic, if you can get a doll of someone and get their, I cannot recommend highly enough, get the person's picture and somehow paste it to the doll. That is a powerful little piece of magic there. Uh, it's, it's, it's psychological in a lot of ways um to, to actually see the person's face and, and do the, the spells with them it, or at least for me it works that way now um like i said it's not always like instantaneous but dolls are very very powerful and they're often i think overlooked they're, people seem to think of hoodoo is nothing but candles right right you know? And a lot, not everybody can work with candles for whatever reason. Maybe you rent a room or have a roommate or what have you. You have to, you have to have other ways of uh, getting the job done. So often uh, voodoo dolls are really considered like evil. Can you do positive work with them as well? Oh yes, of course. Um, uh, I have a doll of myself that I keep and honestly, don't laugh at me. Um, I love magic and popular culture. And I remember um, the very first, I believe it's the very first movie Child's Play. Uh, mm -hmm. Remember his teacher was a, a voodoo practitioner and his teacher taught him to make a doll of himself and to mm -hmm. keep it in a safe place. And if you kept that doll safe and happy, you would be safe and happy. And in the movie, of course, he finds his teacher's doll and uses it against him. But that influenced me. And then I think I read in... I'm terrible. I should. The, is it the Conjure Woman's book? I can't remember the name of it. She talks about how you should make a little doll of yourself and, you know, put it in a safe place and surround it with little things and make it happy, you know. So I have this box uh, with my doll in it and a bunch of dildos and some cash and <laughs> some cash, <laughs> some little books to read, you know. I should throw another little doll in there with it, maybe a little Ken doll. <laughs> I love that. Oh and they make Lord. them anatomically correct, you know. Uh, oh but anyway, Lord. you know, you know. And then I use that doll to cleanse myself. Sometimes I'll take that doll out, and you know, in Washington State, it rains here 364 days a year. But on that one sunny day a year, I'll take that little doll out of its box and pry them off that dildo and put them in the window where it's sunny and and nice and cleanse it, you know. And it and it has an effect on me, you know. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I'm from Washington State, so I remember that one yeah. that one good sunny day. Yeah. Oh my goodness, the dildos. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well he's gotta keep him happy. Hey, whatever works, you know. I, I just th I think it's great. So. <laughs> I believe in the power of positive sex, and that's something else I talked about in this book. Brings Stinker. a whole new meaning to good vibrations. Yes. yes. <laughs> good vibrations. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy. <laughs> so um 
there was a question I had way earlier, and I don't know if I wrote it down or not, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> um, I, I am interested in the uh, what is that? Oh, is that a car? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I got my window cracked open. Should oh, I close okay. it? No, no, no. I think it'll be okay. all right. It's, I got to enjoy this one day of sunshine. <laughs> um, no. Uh, what I wanted to ask you was um, the video you did uh, where you were, I think you were in South Carolina because it was pretty darn sunny. I don't think you were in Washington State. and uh, you were, I think you were sitting on your porch or something and you were you were calling somebody out. I'm not going to mention names or titles, but you were calling somebody out because they had plagiarized your book. Like no, that this, was it, here. That was on my back patio. Oh, was it there? Yes. Yes. Oh, it was here. Okay. Okay. Um, anyway, you had called them out. Good for mm -hmm. you. But you had talked about sun tea. Mm -hmm. Could you explain? Because I can tell B, Mistress B is very interested in oh, the sun tea. Um, method and the magic and all that yeah. and drinking it, uh, the healing properties of it. Well, um, sun tea, well, I haven't had any in about two years. Cause like I said, my doctor took me off of, uh, told me to, um, stop drinking sweet tea cause sugar is supposed to be like really, really bad for you, but it feels so damn good. Um, <laughs> so sun tea is just really, you, uh, I take a big, um, plastic jug and, uh, like you go into Walmart and you see those big plastic jugs. It's got like the cheese crisp in it. I like those because they have that plastic. It just sort of pops right onto it on the top. And so I clean that out. You fill that up with water and you take about eight or nine tea bags. You get the little strings and you tie them together so they're all stuck together. And I would fill that jug full of water and I put the tea bags in that and I would um, – put the, the tip of the string over the lip of the jug and then put that lid on it so it stays in place. And I put it out on my back patio uh, on that one day. It doesn't rain a year out in the sun. Uh, in the south, in the sunny places, you know, it, it's a lot better. And so the heat from the sun sort of heats up that um, water and it draws that tea out of the um, tea bags. And you can do this at uh, you're drawing on solar energy, but right. the other right. the other planets are up there just because you can't see them don't mean they're not there. Again, it goes to your intent. So let's say if you want to make a love tea, you can maybe do it on a Friday because that's associated with Venus. And if you're, you know, have a ephemeris and know where Venus is or whatever, uh, you know, put it out there with your intent, but I usually put it out there early in the morning and I would leave it there till about sundown and then um, bring it in, bring it in the house. And I would take, you know, discard the tea bags and um, I forgot about the sugar. Um, um, so when you put in your water in the thing, I usually fill it up halfway with hot water, put my sugar in, stir it, then fill it the rest of the way with cold water. Sorry. It's been two years since I've done that. But anyway, bring it in, put it in the refrigerator and let it chill and then drink it. But you have your solar infused tea there and you could do this with smaller jars. If you want to you remember when, um, uh, mayonnaise would come in glass jars. I remember I doing do. it with the I mayonnaise do. glass jars. Cause you can yeah. screw that lid on and hold it and you can do it with any herbal tea that you have and draw in, um, more solar energy, or if you wanted to, have, uh, you know, a Mars-based herb um, to give your sexual drive a, a boost or, or what have you. So there's a lot of applications well, you can do with that. I know that my husband who practices magic, he's made the uh, 
tea like that before using mm -hmm. the energies of the sun. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought about taking a quartz crystal, obviously a clean one that's been cleansed, not just, you know, from uh, bacteria, but spiritual bacteria mm -hmm. and putting that inside the, uh, the uh, tea pitcher and, mm -hmm. you know, doing what you said and having all that going in there with the quartz yeah. crystal and the solar energy and drinking that for healing purposes. Now I can drink tea with or without sugar. I honestly can, but I got to have some lemon in my tea. Yeah. I mean, and I'm tea in Florida. Tea without sugar is a sin. That's a sin. I'm, I'm, You're going to burn <laughs> in hell for that. Maybe so. And I, I'll admit it. I'm in, I'm in Florida, but I can yeah. drink it with or without tea. But uh, I mean, with or without sugar. But I do prefer a little sugar. Um, and I like lemon too. So, yeah. But I thought about, you know, putting the quartz in there too. So, yeah. That opens up the possibility for so many things because you could put rose petals in there. You could bake it with moon water if you really wanted like a really holistic, like all the energies in one tea kind of thing. Mm -hmm. There's so much that you could do with that. And it's really easy to incorporate into your day to day because all you got to do is set a jar out and then drink your tea for the rest of the week and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but, you know, just take take that. uh uh, a glass jar and put some water in it. Maybe pray over the water, take that quartz crystal, put it in there, pray over that, sit it outside where on a full moon and get that uh, lunar energy, not just into the water, but also into that crystal. And yeah, so much you could do with that lunar energy. Um, I, I work a lot with solar energy. Um, the Right now we've had sun for like several, several days, uh, in a row here in Florida. So I set my crystals out and I, sometimes I'm telling you, they get so hot. You can hardly touch them. They are bursting with a collar. I also do um, candles. Um, I put candles outside because candles are very absorbent of energy. So you can put a candle out during a full moon, a new moon or waxy moon. And I'll like draw the symbol on the candles and, and, and put it up for later. So like if I need a waxing moon candle, but the moon is waning right now, I got that candle with that energy stored into it. And uh, a couple of years ago, we had an eclipse here in Washington. Mm -hmm. um, it looked like it, I don't even can't even remember how it just looked weird. I put a bunch of uh, beeswax candles out to absorb that eclipse energy. And I still have some of them and I pull them out when I want uh, some extra oomph to a spell, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. candles are very absorbent. You can put them out during certain days or times of day to, to pull in that energy for use later. So I love dressing candles mm -hmm. and I, I get, you recognize these little candles, right? You yes. can get them. I think it's at Dollar General or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love I have using one these. Like that too. Oh, do you have one too? Just a little chakra candle. I got them yeah. at Five Below. Okay, I've heard of that place, but uh, Dollar General. Um, actually, a lot of my candles, and people think I'm crazy, but a lot of my candles that I buy come from uh, Dollar Dollar Tree. Mm -hmm. Dollar, Dollar Tree. I love a Dollar Tree. I can go in there and get all the candles I need at Dollar Tree. Some, mm -hmm. most of them are white, but whatever. White's universal. You can do what you yeah. want. And you can decorate the glass however you want to. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, I love using black candles. Black candles are my favorite to uh, get rid of negative energy, to absorb negative energy, or to call forth a spirit. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Sorry. So I like to use, um, <clears throat> depends on what I'm doing. I'll, inside my, my, my candle, there it is. 
what I'll do, not this candle because of this stuff here is heat sensitive, mm -hmm. but I'll take it and I'll put it into a, a, a pot of hot, hot scalding water about up to here. Mm -hmm. It will melt the wax inside of it, right? Mm -hmm. Then I will hold on to the wick and I will take chopsticks and I will put herbs inside of it. I'll put a small lodestone inside, some magnetic sand, whatever herbs I'm working with for whatever I'm doing. And I'll take those chopsticks and I'll push it down in there, holding the wick, keep the wick in the center. Then I'll let it cool. So not am I at that point, my herbs are throughout the entirety of the inside the candle, not just sitting on the top, flooding the mm -hmm. wick out, you know. I love I do something that. similar. I have a um you guys asked me for some pictures of things. I sent you a picture of my altar. Uh I don't I, you should be able to see it in that picture. I have a wooden uh Phillips head screwdriver and I'll poke holes as far down as I can go and I'll just stuff those holes with the herbs and, and roots and powders and things and uh, to prepare uh, mine. That's my prosperity altar. That's on top of my refrigerator. Very nice. Oh, I love that. Let me get the other yeah. one up. And the, it's because that's the highest uh, spot in my house on top because you want your thing to be up high so that your money grows. Mm -hmm. you know? There's the other one. Uh, that is like a little spirit altar in my bedroom. And that's just like some of my little, like the raccoon is a, is a totem for me. There's some uh, gravel root, which is my plant familiar, carnelian. There's my spirit rattle, my Ouija board, some prayer books, some alcohol for feeding things. Um, there's a statue of Mars because Mars is the chart ruler in my uh, astrological chart. Okay, I must not have that one saved. Okay. <laughs> I saw you had the book there, uh, Power of the Psalms. I have that same book. Great book. Great book. Yeah, I love that book. Mine's annotated because uh, I, I don't mind writing in some of my books. So I'll, um, you know, it'll say what this what this prayer is good for, but then you find other uses. So I'd love to just sort of write in it and say, oh, I use this for such and such. And then in the inside cover, I try to make a, Bibliography. I don't know if that's the right word. An appendix. Oh, yeah. You know, this, yeah, table of contents just yeah. to help me find it really quickly. So, yeah. Yeah, I um, I run out of highlighters really quick because I'm big on highlighting. I'm a highlighter freak. Every book that I read, if I'm going to read a book, if I'm going to get a book, I'm going to read it from front to back. Mm -hmm. If the intro is too boring. I got to pass that shit up. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I got to get through that. But I highlight the hell out of stuff. I've let my friends borrow books and they're like, dude, this book is highlighted from hell and back. <laughs> like, but thank you for doing it anyway. Yeah. Often buy, often buy two copies, one to just keep in good condition and another to write in. Yeah. Yeah. I borrowed I'm, some of Ken's books and I can tell you they are very highlighted. <laughs> uh, the ones you borrowed are highlighted. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple in there. Hey, those are that's some good highlighting I did though. Yeah, you did great. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of psalms, do you have a favorite psalm, uh, Carolina, that you prefer to use, like an all-purpose psalm? Psalm 23, um, 23. Um, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. And I even designed a mojo bag around that psalm. There's an item in it for each verse in the psalm. And no, I'm not going to give you the recipe. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and it's sort of an all-purpose mojo bag. And it's just like Psalm 23 is what I use in when I don't know what else to use because it encompasses all needs. 
Yeah, and here's a secret about that Psalm too, for those of you who don't know, is you or any Bible verse, you can change up the words to suit your needs. So where it says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's a blank space behind that in your mind. You could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for prosperity. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for good health. So you oh. can fill in whatever you want behind oh. that. And like I said, you can change you you can change up words here and there in uh, a verse to suit your needs. So I've heard you mention mojo bags. I've heard Ken mention them. I've read a little bit about them, but can you explain a little bit more what they are and how to use them? Uh, a mojo bag is a usually a small bag full, not full, but it contains um, items that uh, vibrate. I know a lot of people in hoodoo don't like that word. I love the word vibrate at the uh, at a specific frequency of your need. Um, it's usually small and innocuous because, you know, back in the day when the, the slaves were brought here, um, they weren't allowed to have their um, um, sacred items. And so they were often small because, you know, being found with one, you could get killed. And, uh, you know, um, so you place things in the bag that vibrate at the frequency of your needs. So if you're wanting love, you would put things in there that are traditionally associated with love. If you want money, money, what have you. Now, the difference between a uh, Wiccans, I'm not picking on Wiccans, and people from other magical traditions have sort of co-opted the mojo back without a full understanding of it. For example, if I see one more child uh, showing their mojo, but you don't let people see it. Right. You know? Right. You don't show it. You don't let people touch right. it. You know, no. um, and you sure as hell don't open it up and let them look in. You it. don't. Right. You don't do that. It's it's the other thing. The important thing to remember is that unlike a talisman bag or, or, or a medicine bag in other traditions, a mojo bag is considered to be a living thing. You've got to, you feed, got it. to Just, feed it. And if you don't feed it, it's going to die. You got and to it's not it. going to work for you. You know, mm -hmm. Um uh, I do. I do want to point out one thing about mojo bags too. Is um, I've had different um, practitioners work different ways. Some practitioners have the same recipe for all their bags. Someone emails them up. They want to love mojo, so they'll go, "Okay, well, we'll get the we'll put some Queen Elizabeth root and some rose petals and you know different and and boom, that's your bag." Other workers um, go with their intuition. Um, and me, I use a technique called. Um, what I call dreaming the root where, and this is something that was introduced to me probably about six, seven years ago where um, you, on that altar, I showed you there was my plant familiar, um, uh, Joe pie, uh, which is gravel root. Um, I found, you know, people are familiar with the, with the idea of having a, an animal totem. Like mm -hmm. it's always a wolf or a raven. It seems like, but you know, yeah. there's turtle and elephant and rabbit yeah, nobody, and everything. Nobody wants, nobody wants earthworm or a beetle. Right. You know, <laughs> and somebody has to, um, but just like you have an animal totem, you have a plant totem spirit too. And I, I found mine through sort of a process with like the white room and everything. And my totem, um, through dream work and I can tell you the story about it I dreamt that I was standing backstage at a production of of all things the Rocky Horror Picture Show and <laughs> they were practicing a scene and in the dream I walked out on the stage I walked up to the guy who was playing Rocky 
And I grabbed him by his junk and I said, this is mine. And he said, well, if it's yours, take it then. And then so when I woke up, I had to like interpret this. And I got to thinking, okay, Rocky, another word for Rocky is gravel. And then I grabbed him by his junk or his root chakra. And you put that together and you get gravel root. And I said, oh, I met the spirit of gravel root. And I call him Joe because another word for um, gravel root is Joe Pieweed. And so what I do is when before I retired, when someone would come to me for, say, a mojo bag, um, I would have Joe introduce me to a plant spirit that would help this person. And it would come to me in a dream and I would have to interpret that dream to get that person's spirit. So a quick example is um, someone came to me for a love mojo. Uh, it was a man. And uh, I asked Joe to help me find a plant spirit that would help Joe find a find love. And so in the dream, I'm going into a uh, bookstore, which is a comic bookstore. And I walk around and I look, but I decide not to buy anything. And as I walk out, the cashier comes up to me and hands me a comic book and says, excuse me, this is yours. And I said, no, I didn't drop it or anything. I'm not really interested in buying it. He goes, no, this is yours. This is what you come for. There's no charge for it. Take it. I said, okay. So I took it. And so in my waking moment, okay, I had to like interpret this dream. So I got to thinking, I had sort of a word association. So comic books are usually about good versus evil. There's conflict. There's usually violence. And then it hit me, violence. That sounds like violets. Mm -hmm. And then what do we call, what do we call the pages of a book? Leaves. So you put that together and you get violet leaves. So if you look it up in some of those books, violet leaves is an herb that is used to draw love. You usually stick it in your shoe for seven days to lead you to love. So that's how I would start the mojo back for the person. So I would start with violet leaves and I would just sort of go from there and then, you know, mail it off to the person. And I forgot to mention that there are certain tribes in um, South America that believe that you cannot work with a plant spirit unless that plant comes to you and teaches you how to use it and so that's what happens to me when i work with an or even for a candle spell i hurt my back one time and i couldn't walk i was hobbling around i couldn't stand up straight and i asked joe to help me find a spirit and uh, in the dream i'm not going to go through the whole dream but basically through the uh i was seeing through the eyes of the spirit it looked at its watch and it said yep let's go and then through a process of, I figured out that spirit was thyme, T-H-Y-M-E, not okay. time, right? Yeah. And I looked it up. I did, I did a little bit because I always like to see, okay, I dreamed this. This is what the spirit that came to me. What does authors and what is the traditional uses of this plant? And a lot of time it does line up. Maybe it's my subconscious pulling that. Maybe it's the spirit, you know, who knows? But anyway, I used the thyme in a candle spell. I basically... Uh, had a candle and a thing and I surround it with a circle of, of thyme and I burnt the candle and I prayed and I asked the spirit of thyme to heal me. And probably within 24 hours, I was standing up straight. I still had a little bit of pain, but probably by the end of a week, I was my normal self. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. I that. And I have a, I have, I have a journal. I, every time someone came to me for a candle spell or something, I keep a, a journal, every candle I ever burned for another person. I, I, I wrote an entry in my journal, what candle I use, what herbs I use, what the signs were when it was like, and I, can, I have so many stories of, of like spirits that came to me in dreams and how I, how I used it for that person and what 
the outcome was if that person got back to me because you know they don't always do that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah but nice. i think that's so important in your magical practice is once you do the spell you know you got to figure out how it worked and what mm -hmm. you did and so that way you can grow in your magical practice because then you can refer back to that later especially mm -hmm. i tweak pretty much every spell that i do mm -hmm. you know if i find mm -hmm. something um especially with candle stuff um or mm -hmm. like kitchen witchery i don't ever mm -hmm. follow a recipe i like to tweak it yeah. if you don't write it down you're never gonna know <laughs> yeah right yeah right mm -hmm. i'll follow some recipes depending on the magic depending on what i need depending on what i'm doing but uh, sometimes, especially if I'm, I got to curse somebody, I'll just come in here and get angry and yell at a demon and say, look, I need your help. This is what we got to do. Let's handle some biz now. Mm -hmm. And we get it done. There you go. Whatever. That's but, all it um, takes. That's all it takes. Uh, oh, <clears throat> John the Conqueror. Now, that's one of my favorites. I love using John the Conqueror. What I like to do is I like to combine John the Conqueror root with bay leaf uh, in, in a sachet. I've got a bay leaf tree. When I planted it, it was that small. And three years, I don't know, they must grow really quick. That thing is taller than I am, and I'm six foot one. So, uh, yeah, I, for protection and, and banishment, I love to use uh, John the Conqueror and bay leaf, and I will feed them. I will usually I'll feed them uh, Van Van oil. Van Van's my go to. So, um, I know that you have extensive experience using uh, John the Conqueror root uh, for uh, for me, uh, not just for protection and banishment, but also to empower what I'm doing to give it that extra mm -hmm. punch. Um, mm -hmm. Could you give an example of how you uh, how you've used it uh, more um, recently? I guess I've used it a lot in money spells. Um, I, I have I had a very large piece of hydron root and one thing I used to do with it was I would take a, a knife sometimes and just sort of scrape some of the shavings to get sort of a dust and add it to any other spell to give it more power. Uh, mm -hmm. Back home I used to use kudzu uh, but that don't grow here. Um, we, we call it kudji, they call it kudzu. And other there we places. got you, we got right. it in Florida, believe me. You know, it, it's it's just so invasive. So yes. you can you can add dried kudzu to a spell for for more power. But uh, again, two years ago when the when I was diagnosed with high blood pressure, uh, again they just to tell y'all how serious it was. They thought I could have a heart attack or a stroke at any minute. That's how bad it was. Which is you know why part of the reason I retired. So I used high John root to give me willpower to not eat and mm -hmm. to exercise because I'm, I'm i used to have jobs all the jobs i used to have were very physical uh i was a buyer for walgreens at one point i was a person walking around all day counting things ordering things i was on my feet all day then i got a job working in the office and the lady who was the boss she was a big girl she made good money she would buy us lunch all the time so i was eating mcdonald's and jack in the box every day and slowly over eight years i gained all this weight and it happened so slow i didn't notice it to be honest with you if that sounds right and it got to a point where I was trying to walk for exercise and I could not walk 3000 steps a day. That was a struggle for me because I was so sedentary. And so I used high John to give me physical strength and willpower. And now I easily do 15 to 20,000 steps a day, you know? Yeah. 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 Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That John is, uh, 
John the Conqueror Root, some of my favorite stuff. Uh, that and, okay, so for me, John the Conqueror Root, Bay Leaf, and Van Van Oil. Baby, I can do it all with them three. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I love big. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I say I keep a big piece of uh, High John on my altar uh, to empower spells too, because I feel like it's the um, the physical representation of the spirit in this much the same way. Some people keep a um, statue of a deity on their altar. I have, um, I, I like I said, I did send y'all that picture. Uh, Ken may have seen it, but like I have all kinds of crystals on my altar. I have a statue of Jesus. I have some dried herbs. Uh, roots on my altar um in place of say like a statue for that energy and i like the you don't see crystals a lot in hoodoo but i like crystals right. because i feel like they are amplifiers of our thoughts and again our thoughts are the building blocks of the universe so whenever i'm doing a spell at the altar these crystals just sort of am, like magnify and amplify that thought and make my spells more powerful that's a great tip too for those of you who cast spells i always like to put a circle of salt around my candle to protect it from negative energy and i put a little crystal quartz crystal beside it to boost its power i love that yeah i'm a big crystal girl i have mm -hmm. tons i actually mm -hmm. i just got this really cool cup it's made out of pink calcite oh i love that yeah. it's beautiful thank you my favorite crystal to work with is uh quartz clear quartz i use smoky mm -hmm. quartz sometimes when i'm working with the dead but um <clears throat> that's for another show i guess but uh, mm -hmm. uh i love uh clear quartz because mm -hmm. i can put whatever intention into it that i want whatever prayer into it i want whatever invocation evocation into it I, what i want any command depending on you know what i'm doing into it that i want and and use that quartz crystal to make things happen and things do um, happen yeah um earlier i talked about how everyone has or not everyone but most people have a um plant familiar and an animal familiar and another overlooked thing is our mineral because that's your three kingdoms right there uh plant animal and mineral and then you put something of yourself and then boom there's your medicine bag mine uh, i used to think my um mineral familiar was um amethyst but then i got to really study my own birth chart in depth and i came across um Carnelian, I, I mentioned earlier that Mars is the chart ruler in my chart. And then I was reading something about stones and I saw that uh, Carnelian is associated with both Mars as well as um, Virgo. And I am a Virgo and I, and without even knowing it, this ring right here, I got this ring off of eBay probably about 20 years ago. And I got it because I'm trying to show you kind of how big it is. I love dark shadows and I wanted a ring like Barnabas. And of uh -huh. course I got these fat fingers, but without even knowing it, I had been wearing carnelian for 20 something years, not knowing that it, it, it vibrated so well with me. And then I bought this piece of carnelian to, man it, to match it and I keep it on my altar. Um, and I have noticed a huge difference in it amplifying my magic and my spells a lot of times i'll just grasp this in my hand you know mm -hmm. and state what i want to happen and boom it's working for me you know yeah i also love labradite labradite is really good especially if i have to study or you know i got to work with my mind a lot i will mm -hmm. use labradite or i will wear a labradite necklace or i will just fumble around with it in my hands you know mm -hmm. whatever like fluorite yeah, yeah fluorite. Fluorite. that 
Yeah. My stone <laughs> technically isn't a stone. It's a jet, which is calcified wood. And it is mm-hmm. some of the most powerful stuff I've ever felt. And it just absorbs everything. You never need to cleanse it. You never need to charge it. It just sucks everything up like a vacuum. And it's so good for any sort of negative energy, any anxiety, any tiredness, any pain, whatever you want. It just sucks it right in there. And it's deceptively lightweight. So I keep it in my pocket all the time and never have to worry about it. And I love it. Yeah. So iron. Iron. I am a big believer in using iron uh, railroad spikes. I use railroad spikes. I have railroad spikes around my entire property, all four corners of my property. I have anointed them. I have prayed over them. I have put them in the ground. I put the coin on top, covered them up, the whole thing. Amazing. Amazing difference. It's like Um, a shield barrier and a witch's bottle at the entrance to my property do you know um there's a root worker in seattle i don't know if miss b's heard of her have you heard her name's auntie cindy toto Mm -hmm. she makes some beautiful uh pieces with railroad spikes she 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 makes them into um almost like talismans and things uh i did a healing retreat at the captain whitby inn with her about four or five years ago and she had some very beautiful pieces uh that she made that's really cool. Yeah. And there's so many ways to incorporate it into like more of an artsy thing. So it's mm-hmm. not just a railroad spike in the ground. Um, right. And the spirits love pretty. Yeah. They, they love uh-huh. pretty things. They really do. They're, they, a lot of these spirits are more receptive to things that are pretty. Mm-hmm. There, there's a glass blower that makes these beautiful glass witch balls. And they're about yay big and they have all the connections inside and they're colorful and the outside is clear. And I have one of those and I love it. And those, uh, those witch balls are, are, they can be very beautiful, very elaborate, very colorful and very expensive. (laughs) Believe me, I priced them. I would love to have, especially the big oaks I have out front here. I would love to have some of those, like, I don't know, 30, 40 of those witch bottles just hanging in that tree. Oh, that would be amazing. We can get you some. We'll work it out. All right, let's work it out. Perfect. All right, we got about five minutes left. So I'm going to open up the comments. If you have any questions for myself, Ken, or most importantly, Carolina Dean, definitely ask right now. And um, I'd just like to officially thank you so much for being on the show. We've really enjoyed yes. having you. Yes. Thank you for having me. Of course, yeah. we'll have to get you on here more. There's so much knowledge that you can pass on. Oh, I'd be happy to come back sometime. All right. Well, we're going to hold you to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, we would really like to have you come back on. Um, I, I've really enjoyed this podcast. It's This has been a very relaxing podcast to me tonight. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I almost forgot that we were doing the podcast. I noticed I had a couple comments stacked up and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> just feels like we're chatting between friends and I'm loving it. All right. Well, it looks like we are good to go. So Ken, would you like to tell everybody good night? Yeah. Before we do that, Carolina, do you have any last words for anyone who's looking to get into hoodoo uh, tradition, conjure magic, anything like that before we go? Uh, I recently did a podcast and the guy asked me, what books do you recommend? And um, I said, no, Uh, (laughs) uh, I wanted to give everybody the same advice I was given many, many years ago. It's whatever it is you're interested in, whether it's hoodoo, voodoo, witchcraft, uh, read everything you can get your hands on about that subject. And in your reading and studying, you will develop discernment. 
And through that discernment, the spirit, the Holy Spirit will guide you towards what is truth. But the thing is, truth is relevant to everybody. So live your own spiritual path. Don't try to be the next Carolina Dean. Don't try to be a second rate version of someone else. Be a first rate version of yourself. And two more things. Black Lives Matter and stop the Asian hate. If I have to turn this planet around, I will. Absolutely. All right. I love All it. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining uh, the Wizards Table. We really appreciate our viewers. We thank you guys so much. And thank you, RU Media, for having us. We we appreciate it. We love all of you guys. Carolina, thank you. Thank Mr. you. Speed, thank you. Absolutely. And, uh, and everybody, uh, go ahead, girl. One last time. This is the book. Um, it's on Amazon, so you can get it. They have it on Kindle. It's only 10 bucks, and I'm sure it'll be a great read. I'm going to go get it right now. Um, yeah. And I've linked his Patreon right there. And then he also has his own website, carolinaconjure.com. And then he has that YouTube channel, Carolina Dean. So go look him up everywhere. Get into it. Thank you, guys. Have a blessed weekend. Bye.